Hey, remember Fazoli's? Welcome back to Bizarre Podcast, Dogs Must Die. My name is Grant, you can call him Chip, and today we are talking about episodes 14 through 16 of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Golden Wind. Yeah, this this stretch of episodes here is, once we started part five, I was just like, I wonder, I forget when it happens, but I wonder when we get to this part, and we're finally here. <laughs> This this is the sort of stuff that's exactly what I wish we had more time for. When I was talking about, like, last week, the, the big problem I had with uh, how much time everyone gets solo is because it takes away from f- time remaining for them to be a team. Mm-hmm. We've got, like, hot swapping in, in the fight. <laughs> yeah. A really fun, di- dynamic adventure here. I am, I really, I really like this whole thing we're about to talk about. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, starting out with episode 14 here, Express Train to Florence. Or Express Train to Firenze. Yes. Like, uh, uh, <laughs> depending on what source you're looking at, uh, uh, a lot of the Italian may or may not be, you know, uh, uh, translated. Roma versus Rome, mm-hmm. Firenze, Florence, Turin, Torino. It's, it's all the same thing. Trust me. It's fine. Yeah. So everybody's in a van yep. somehow. This gigantic van, bigger on the inside, a the, little bit. This it is, is a, three captains' chairs wide. Yeah, this is like the comfiest looking van I've seen. <laughs> there is room for multiple people to lay down on the floor and take a nap. <laughs> I mean, I guess it helps when you're the size of, of the current JoJo protagonist, but still. And by everyone, I mean the seven of them, right? Yeah. Our, our six Passione crew members and Trish, all all carpooling. They've got the key from the, the previous episode still, and Narancha's just taking a look at the, the gem of the key here mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. that's set inside. And he tosses it up to Abakio, who fumbles it, and it lands on his wrist, the wrist that is still healing from its reattachment surgery. Yes, and you can see it's been reattached with uh, a zipper from Zipper Man. <laughs> handy, very handy. But it still stings like hell. Yeah. But yeah, they pick the key back up, and inside the, the gem set in the, yeah. the key here, there is a message inside. Like laser inscribed on this gem. This this is not Passione is not a mafia. It is an ARG. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, just waiting for for them to get like phone calls where they have to realize it's Morse code and they gotta yeah transcribe <laughs> that and all I'm the just saying, all the usual if, ARG if tricks. If the boss has time to do all this, the boss has time to just get his daughter. What is your problem? Yeah. So, so according to this inscription, they have to take the key to a turtle that's inside a drinking fountain at a particular <laughs> train platform in Naples, you know, their home base. And then they're supposed to get on a train to Venice. Mm-hmm. But the way to get to Venice is through uh, uh, Firenze. So, yeah. Uh, and just keep in mind, this whole, this key is supposed to be to a method of transportation that will like safely get them, <laughs> get mm-hmm, them mm-hmm. there too. A way to to move without being seen. So yeah, they're they're talking strategy a little bit. Uh, they're worried about being at the train station for any length of time because the enemy probably already knows where they're going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And while they're talking about all this, Fugo realizes Trish has boobs. Well, not not really, because <laughs> Fugo is is realizing that Trish has like. A, a terrible emotional burden that he must contemplate. While Mista thinks, hey, <laughs> you are definitely checking out that rack, aren't you? Ah, <laughs> yes, yeah. 
And then that's when Fugo goes like, oh, right, she does. Gulp. <laughs> and then in a very like typical anime fashion that you usually don't see happen in JoJo, the van hits a bump. And oh no, someone's going is careening right into her boobs, and she's just confused. Yeah, yeah. Fugo gets knocked into the knockers, and uh, uh, very comically, and Mista calls them her quote jaunty jiggle sacks wh- <laughs> while apologizing on Fugo's behalf. Oh man, what does he call them? The Japanese guy. <laughs> That's, yes, that is jaunty jiggle sacks is is a dub exclusive line, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, the the one notable uh, uh, manga anime difference in these three episodes is that in the source material there was a nip slip. You could see Trish's nipple. Oh, jeez. Okay. Yes. Wow. That's what they let you get away with in uh, Shonen. Is was it Shonen Jump where it was being published? Still, I don't yes. remember. Yeah, yeah. Damn. After everyone starts profusely apologizing and stuff, that leads us into the OP, which even though we're on this, the, you know, the second third of the show here, we're still using the first OP. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We haven't switched over yet. Uh, so they're at the train station in Napoli and assassins are watching Bukarati kneel by a little turtle. He has found mm-hmm. the turtle in the fountain. So the two uh, members of the assassin team that we've got here are... Uh, prosciutto mm-hmm. and pesci pesci's back yes pesci is the the man we described earlier who has like like a pineapple shaped head he's got a his hair is just a big green sprout mm-hmm, he's got mm-hmm. no chin it's no. just his head just emerges from his body like <laughs> and, a, the, like and they have an shaped. antagonistic relationship here he and prosciutto prosciutto who is perhaps the suavest member Oh yeah, uh, to look at him of, of uh, the the Hitman team. He wears a a nicely fitted suit, like sort of a, a navy or a dark purple, but with a sort of spider web pattern all mm-hmm. over it. Very cool. He has a big chunky medallion of his own first initial. He wears a giant gold P around his neck. <laughs> yeah, and his hair is like really tight up against his head because it's all pulled back into like these tiny weird little knots like three vertical knots tied in the back of his head mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, his english dub voice i really thought it was steve bloom for a second but it it's sounds not. so much like steve bloom but it's not <laughs> it's wild that there's another guy who can just do steve bloom uh he is uh, uh primarily these days at least uh uh he's transitioned into being an adr director for dubs including stone uh, ocean so oh, cool. when we get to part six we'll be hearing his work in everyone else's voices mm. while prosciutto's japanese voice uh, again some something we talked about last week this is noctis oh shit okay <laughs> i can yeah that's a good choice and he was also Shaggy in 2020's movie <laughs> Scoob. Oh, yeah. Does the Japanese Shaggy try to have the same, like, sound? Is English Shaggy? I gotta hear this later. I mean, did Will Forte in the movie Scoob? I don't know. I didn't watch it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I have not seen it either. When I try to find Japanese dub Shaggy, I get Japanese dub Shrek. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Easy mistake. Happens to everybody. 
So, so yeah, Prosciutto, Pesci, uh, they've got a, a bit of a, a tumultuous mentorship going on. Basically, Pesci is, is being treated like an idiot, know-nothing mama's boy, because that's how everybody on the team treats him. But he, he really looks up to Prosciutto as a mentor, uh, considers him his big bro. Uh, uh, that's what he's going to call him constantly throughout <laughs> for the rest of his life. Spoiler, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, <laughs> But also, Pr- Prosciutto is acting like Pesci is on some sort of probationary period. Yeah. Despite being on the team for at least two years. I mean, we learn later that despite being on the team for two years, uh, Pesci has not killed anyone yet. No, no. In the middle of his fight, he performs his first ever kill. He's a hitman. No wonder they hate him. He sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they they both have spotted Bucciarati standing or crouching next to this fountain with this little turtle in it. Pesci is is getting pissed off. We got to talk about the noise that Pesci's skin makes when he gets poked and squeezed. (laughs) Yeah. He sounds like a balloon. He he has the skin of a a, a, very thick balloon. Yeah, just the rubbing sound (laughs) is very weird. And it's so consistent. Mm-hmm. He he gets his head rubbed a lot in these three episodes. There's a lot of head <laughs> For rubbing, luck, I guess. Yeah, but Pesci is is getting pissed off seeing Bucciarati off in the distance, and he really wants to get revenge for Formaggio being killed. Prosciutto here is being the the reasonable the the word of reason here. He's frequently throughout these three episodes uh, mentoring Pesci on what actions not to do because they make you weak. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. He's all about the mindset of the proper killer. And the proper killer doesn't say, I'm going to kill you. The proper killer just kills people. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because by the time you form the thought in your head, the deed is already done. Whoa. Mm -hmm. Whoa. Meanwhile, Bruno is is very confused by this key. Because there is a hatch by the water fountain that has a keyhole, but the key doesn't fit it. And also, it's not even locked. You can just open it up and there's nothing in there. And yeah. uh, Giorno from the, the train is like, hey, how about that keyhole? And Bruno's like, I tried that one already. It fucking sucks. Nothing works. <laughs> it's all dumb and bad. The, Bruno's starting to sweat because the it's almost time for the train to leave. And Prosciutto is slowly approaching from behind. They don't even realize he's there yet. They're all out of locks. And the key doesn't fit into fucking any of them uh, until Bruno... It's just like, wait a minute, the turtle. What if I put the key in <laughs> the turtle? And he looks closer at the turtle, and there is a indentation in the turtle's shell where you can just perfectly lay the key inside yes. of it. You can just lay the key down like flat lengthwise, much like it was embedded in the pavement at you know the, the house of the, the uh, tragic poet. Mm-hmm. But it's a turtle. It's the shell of a turtle. It grew this way. This turtle was born to hold this key. (laughs) And so uh, Bruno picks up this turtle and dashes into the train Mm -hmm, before mm -hmm. Prosciutto can reach him. And as Prosciutto runs into the train, Bruno is just vanished. Yeah, he's clutching this tight like he's a tight end taking the option and (laughs) rushes into the train completely unnoticed somehow. Prosciutto follows him, and in, and then he sees Pesci in the train car that Bruno ran into, and he's like, hey, did you see him? See who? Uh, uh. Mm. I mean, the zipper zone, right? It's obviously the zipper it's zone. It's gotta be the zipper zone. P- 
Pesci is very animate, like, fucking no one came in here, and Prosciutto does not buy that because Pesci is dumb. Mm-hmm. And while they're talking, the turtle with the key inlaid in its shell is just slowly crawling behind them. And underneath a, a weird gap under this one specific train door <laughs> that looks like it was made for turtles to crawl under. Also, it's a door that shouldn't have a gap. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is this is a pre-9-11 uh, manga, let me tell you. Oh, yeah. Prosciutto and Pesci are left with the choice, like, okay, did he fake us out? Are they not on the train? And Prosciutto follows his gut that says, no, they're definitely on this train as, as it gets underway. And I mean, he's he's correct. All nine of our named characters plus Turtle are are on this <laughs> ride together, one way or another. Yep. So trains back in Stardust Crusaders, the one safe method of travel where nothing bad ever happened. Yeah, yeah, trains were safe. It is time to fix that oversight. <laughs> oh, this is going to be a bad train to be on. So as the train starts moving. Prosciutto is staring at this door that's got a weird gap built <laughs> into it because mm-hmm. it's it's not like a normal door where there's just a gap all the way through. It's like only like the center part of the door has this gap built in. It's it's to the conductor's booth, and obviously the conductor has a cat. It likes to come and go. Oh yeah, sometimes there's train train conductor cats. Like get gets the rats and whatever. You don't want rats on your train car. Prosciutto doesn't want to open the door. He He's being very cautious. So he orders Pesci to use his stand to to scope the room out. And his stand is named <laughs> Beach Boy. Beach Boy, or as it's localized, Fisherman. <laughs> because his stand is a fishing rod that he can just materialize out of his hand. It's a super cool fishing rod, though. Yeah. The reel is like a little angry animal skull (laughs) yeah the fishing rod has some spikes along the length of it uh and it has like this glowing neon pink magic fishing line on it Mm -hmm. where pesci will just throw out a fishing line and it can pass through objects and walls basically anything Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. and he can use the fishing hook traveling through wherever he sends it to to sense out living beings he is so adept at like feeling vibrations and heat and anything through this line that it basically acts as an extra sensory organ for Pesci. Yeah. And so he knows that there are two living things. There are two heartbeats in here. They're looking for seven people, plus the conductor has got to be somewhere. I don't mm. know how they're all fitting in here, but there's definitely two things in here worth checking out. And so he goes to snag one of the heartbeats. His, his line goes taut, and he just pulls an entire human being through the wall, mm-hmm, hooked on mm-hmm. his uh, his stand here, and it's just, it's the train conductor, and he's extremely dead now. Uh, he just had a, a magic fish hook go clean through his face. So they look around for the second person. They don't find anybody. Okay, it's time to split up. Prosciutto is going to go hunt for, for all of our Passione good boys as a Passione bad boy. That is his duty. <laughs> and uh, uh, Pesci is going to stay here and just like camp the train controls in case somebody tries to mess with them. And as they're they're talking about this, the, the camera pans into the conductor's booth. And we see underneath the, the conductor's chair is where the turtle is hiding. And inside that turtle is a key, and inside that key is a gem. Inside that gem is a luxury suite, and inside that suite is seven fashion models. Yep. 
<laughs> we this found turtle, This turtle has a stand, and that stand is when this specific key is inlaid in it, inside the gem is an alternate dimension with a really nice hotel room inside of it. <laughs> They're all lounging on couches with magazines. Hopefully they're up to date. I don't mm-hmm. know. You, you don't want it to be like the dentist office. We're like, okay, what, what was yeah. Tom Hanks up to three years ago? I wonder. Uh, <laughs> they got a fridge in there. There's drinks. They got San Pellegrino in that fridge. The blood orange kind. The best kind. Yeah, yeah. You think there's a lot of San Pellegrino in Italy? Is there like more of it than, I don't know, Coke? <laughs> that's good stuff i've never had it oh it's, it's good it's really good it's okay really good. well now i gotta seek some out so yeah this is how they're going to spend their three and a half hour train ride uh earlier we got a little bit of an itinerary from the narrator it's it's three and a half hours to uh firenze and uh, mm. with a layover in rome at, at about the halfway point and everyone's Kind of just taking in the fact that they are now inside a key, inside a turtle. <laughs> and Naranch is just like, okay, well, this is neat. Is this like an alternate dimension or something? And he just reaches his hand up as high as he can towards the ceiling. And his hand reaches a threshold where it gets sucked up. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. half of his body gets pulled out and is just sticking out of the key on top of the turtle. And he's like squished underneath this chair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They can, like, read the inscription carved into the key gem if they look up, right? Yeah. If they can read backwards, at least. Uh, And then Narancha says, this turtle is like a spaceship. (laughs) Uh, And by the way, I don't think this turtle stand ever gets named in the show, but the turtle stand is named Mr. President. Yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) And the turtle's name, if I remember correctly, is named Coco Jumbo. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Coco Jumbo is a song by a uh, like a German like Euro dance group named Mr. President. Yeah, yeah. A- and about six or seven months after this turtle first appeared in the manga, they put out a song called Jojo Action. Oh shit! I didn't know that. And you'd think that might be a causal thing, like, uh, oh, we got reference, let's reference them back. You would be wrong. What? Because again, in a part three callback, this is a, a character and stand that were not named until the two, year 2000 published art book, uh, oh my God. like Jojo Agogo or whatever it was called. Oh my God. <laughs> By the way, the localized name of Coco Jumbo is Coco Large. <laughs> 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 like almost like Coco Large better. Coco Large is so good because he's just a little turtle. Yeah, he's a normal sized turtle. Like there's nothing else weird about this guy except that he's got a key shaped indentation in his shell. Like, Coco Large should be Susie Q's very big turtle. Yes, yes. And Coco Small should be Josuke's fountain turtle. <laughs> and Coco Jumbo is Coco Medium. I like that the last three JoJo parts have had a. a Maybe not key, but a very noticeable turtle. Well, this one is key. You cannot get more key, key than this particular turtle. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I just realized that the turtle also has a voice actor because sometimes the turtle makes turtle noises and someone had to do that. <laughs> So as they are just chilling out and enjoying the, the digs around inside their best friend, the turtle, <laughs> getting carried around inside a turtle, big, uh, like, Power Rangers flashbacks for me, but never mind. Oh, yeah. But Pesci, 
uh, uh, on the outside is uh, looking around trying to find like this second person. And he almost looks under the, the chair here where Coco Jumbo is hiding, but he gets distracted with like this mist, this sort of visual effect cloud coming at him. And he's like, oh, fuck, uh, this is bad. Uh, uh, Prosciutto is bringing out his stand, the Grateful Dead. Yep. Or as it's localized, Thankful Death. Very, very literal. Very literal. Yeah. yeah, this is a this is a stand that when it's pulled out, Pesci gets very worried. Like, whatever Prosciutto's stand does, it's serious business when it's out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it has no legs. It walks around on its its arms. It's very long arms with giant claw feet. Yeah, like three three claws on each each arm here. And there there are cables coming out from the bottom of its torso as if this stand was once torn in half and just left its legs behind. Yeah. And it's it's just kind of gray all over and it has these like neon green eyes all over its body. It's got mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. eyes on its chest, all up, down its arms. It's got like uh seven s- eyes on yeah, its head alone. Of, yeah. Uh seven eyes on its head and it has no mouth. It just has like kind of a it kind of has the piece over its face that um, Hierophant Green did, almost mm-hmm, kind of like mm-hmm. a like a gas mask or breathing mask like apparatus over there. And yeah, it just walks around on its arms. It's neat. And it's just exuding these weird clouds that are making its teammate very, very nervous. So we have a freeze frame on the turtle's face. <laughs> yeah. And our mid-episode title card is this turtle and its very special key. This turtle looks cute. It's a cute little guy. It's a cute jumbo guy. <laughs> yeah, everyone's just chilling out in the turtle after we come back from the uh And they seem the exhausted. All they've been doing is just sitting. And it's it's yeah. they're tuckered out from all this sitting down in luxury. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's one really big like corner couch that three of the gang are laying on, almost taking a nap. Narancha reaches for a banana because there's a fruit bowl. Complimentary fruit. Oh, Do yeah. not get a banana. Bananas are death. Narancha, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Trish and Bucciarati are both drinking extremely heavily iced water. They wanted something really cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, While Mista is digging around in the mini fridge asking for people's requests, uh, Narancha wants coffee. They don't have hot drinks. They only have cold drinks. Mm-hmm. And when... Mista is talking about what types of drinks that are actually there. Narancha like holds his hand up to his ear, like, "Huh? What'd you say?" Like he's an old man or something. He's showing a lot of signs of enemy attack syndrome. Oh and yeah. And Mista's just mad at him for for being a little shit. Yep. Until he coughs up one of his actual teeth. Yep. <laughs> when it comes to body horror, there's some gross stuff in in this three parter. Since Golden Wind is so weird, even compared to earlier JoJo parts, I've been, like, before our recordings, just, like, sort of explaining to Elena what happens. And mm-hmm. every time I'm like, oh, nothing bad happens to a dog or or as specific mouth violence in this one. You might actually like this. Wait, nope, nope. <laughs> I just remembered. <laughs> Yep, and and this time yesterday when we were out like walking the dog in the park, it, it was this tooth dangling on a long thread. Oh God, you're gonna want to go a few rooms away, dear. I can't. I 
it was this, this tooth that was falling out just dangling on like a two inch thread of like gum tissue yeah 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 it's bad it's bad it's and gross disgusting i'm gonna say i've had this exact thing happen to me once <laughs> specifically it was like when I was 12 and I had, like, one more baby tooth that mm-hmm, hadn't come mm-hmm. out yet. You were and inside just, a turtle. Yep, I was in a turtle, too. And, like, I was eating a snack at school or something, and, oop, the tooth popped out. But it had a vein. Oh, a vein boy. Wrapped around a, a, one of the roots of the tooth. And so it was just kind of there hanging out a little bit, and I didn't know what to do. And eventually, <laughs> the vein just had to be, like, cut with scissors and it was oh. fucking awful oh, that sounds but anyways bad. i i've experienced this form of mouth violence is what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> it was real bad but even without all your teeth you can at least eat a banana right well not yeah. this one because it goes all brown and dehydrated instantly <laughs> yeah and meanwhile as- narancia has aged about 60 years in the space of a cut like as Narancha's describing, like this banana sucks. It's it's all <laughs> shitty. He's like instantly grandpa mode. Like the banana is falling apart, and he's all wrinkly and hunched over. His yeah. hair is instantly gray. And yeah, a couple seconds later, there's another twenty years on top of that. Yeah, he's just turning turning into like a mummy at this point. Quote: I couldn't eat this thing if you stuffed it down my throat. <laughs> yeah, his hair is starting to fall out, and he's just like, "What the fuck is this?" And Bruno and Trish, who are still, like, a normal age, are like, oh, fuck. And then they notice, like, everyone else in the room other than Mista has gone grandpa mode. Uh, so, so yes, uh, uh, Giorno, Fugo, Abacchio, super old, while outside of the, the turtle in the main train car, there is an elderly baby crying <laughs> over its aged-to-death t- mother. Yeah, an elderly baby. Yeah, Narancha and and everyone on the couch. Well, not everyone. Only Giorno on the couch wakes up, but they're freaking the fuck out that they're mm-hmm, suddenly mm-hmm. extremely old. And we have what is now a very familiar scene. Everyone is very sure they have to act right now. They have to just like pull the trigger and do something, even though they're not sure exactly what. And Giorno's mm. the one to say, hey, don't. Yeah. Just chill the fuck out. Yep. Because Bruno realizes that, okay, if we're all being affected by this, whatever this person's stand is, they're attacking just indiscriminately because they still don't know where we are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so we have some time to figure this out. And we've got two different options. Uh, either we take Trish and we escape the train or option two uh, we kill the fuck out of anyone with a stand on this train that isn't us. <laughs> and Mista goes, I love that plan. <laughs> I have a gun and I can shoot them with it. <laughs> so so Giorno, Giorno's whole thing is deducing the way stands work. He's got a, like a real intuition for it. Yeah. And so he has pieced together like, you know, what what makes the the four of us old fogies alike and that is different from the the three of you relatively untouched people. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and it is that this stand targets based on body temperature, mm-hmm. which is good because his plan is to separate Trish from the boys because you know how girls are always cold? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's how this stand works. 
Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it works because girls are always kind of cold. Yeah. And so, yeah, Trish will be aging slower than everyone else. Although you can see she already has, like, some wrinkles underneath her eyes forming mm-hmm, just a mm-hmm. bit. The reason why Bruno and Mista are haven't aged as much is because they were drinking cold drinks. And again, Mista had, like, his face in the mini fridge when this attack started. Yep. Trish proves that this is the case by, like, taking an ice cube out of her drink and putting it up to Narancha's eyebrow, and there's just, like, a three-inch radius where he's young again. Yeah. This is when, this is, like, the point when Trish actually starts to, like, speak up and, like, slowly start to become a character here, because she, you know, she's contributing to this a bit now. It's Um, this moment, the sort of stinger on the end of the last episode we're talking about, and nothing in between. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. But, hey, neither does Fugo, neither does Abakio. We don't see Giorno again after this part, really. Yeah, they're they're just old. It's, It's a big cast, it happens. Yep. Shortly before this, uh, Narancho is aging even more, and there's a part where he's like on all fours and freaking out because his skin is just peeling off of his body, yes. and all of his fingernails just kind of fall off. He's gotten so old that his blood doesn't flow into his hands anymore, and they're just dead. His hands have died. Yes, yeah, it's like the... Okay, this is a better way to describe it. His skin just starts splintering off like like wood. It's so gross. So, so yes, the plan is to send uh, Mista, their assassin, their gunman, against mm. these assassins. And he has, like, a handful of ice to survive, like a diver with an oxygen tank. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's barely any ice left in the fridge because they kind of drank a bunch of it and it's melted already. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he's got, like, two ice cubes worth of time. So he pops out of the turtle, gets real big, and is faced with his first great temptation, uh, an air conditioning unit inside the conductor's uh, uh, cubicle. And he's like, "Mm, oh, this is almost certainly a trap, but it might be worth it to save my friends. So he pushes that button, and inside that button is a magic fish hook. (laughs) Yep. And like right before he pushes the button, you see Pesci in a different car, like where the bar is. And he is just munching on multiple cues of ice so that he also doesn't age because he's not immune to this to right, Prosciutto right. stand. And he's just like tapping his finger, basically just going like, man, I really hope somebody touches that air conditioning button. <laughs> so, so yeah, the, the fish hook uh, doesn't just like pierce his finger like, you know, an unlucky uh, uh, person gone fishing might have happened to them. Happens mm-hmm. all the time. Happens every single day somewhere in the world. Uh, no, it goes through his finger and up his hand. And you can see it in like a raised patch of skin on the back of his hand. Oh, it's gross. And that's that's the cliffhanger. Uh, at this point, <laughs> Mister realizes this wouldn't make anyone old. There's two stand users out here. I'm outnumbered. Blah. And that's the end yeah. of the episode. And the, the ending... Uh, credit sequence here it has been updated it's the same song yes but yes. now it starts like, like with a like in a, a desert wasteland with a, a single plant growing and and becoming huge and and then once you know that grows uh, uh big enough to like do a screen wipe it transitions to what is essentially a vertical version of the previous ending just still shots of all of our boys and trish and their stands panning yeah, it's kind of like the ending to a uh, part two, actually. The, the mm-hmm, vertical mm-hmm. scrolling with all the characters, yeah. 
And then um, it ends with like a stone carving, like baz relief of everyone and their stance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fun. I like that. Yeah, it's cool. So yes, Episodio Kindichi, The Grateful Dead, Part One, uh, which starts with basically a full episode recap of uh, Episodio Catordici, uh, uh, instead of just like the the cliffhanger bits, right mm-hmm. into the OP. And now back in the new stuff. Pesci has no idea who he's got hooked, but he does yep. know it is an adult man who weighs 68 kilograms, <laughs> which is 150 pounds. Yeah. Pesci stands up on top of the like the little the, the cafe table here so that he can reel this person in better. And as he stands up on top of that, you can see everyone else in the, the little food car here uh, is just like a mummy. All their teeth have fallen yes. out. They're just super dead. And and now the hook has gone up uh, uh, Mista's hand, up his arm to his shoulder, and his sweater is so tight. <laughs> yeah, this dude, <laughs> like, it is so tight that it almost, there's no way it can be anything but body paint, honestly. <laughs> right? Like, he painted this sweater on himself vacuumed to his skin because you see yeah. every bit of this hook and the line from from shoulder to finger mm-hmm. so so of course what's this boy to do when uh, uh something's got him grabbed he's he's gonna shoot it you know you know that part in the uh the 23rd episode of evangelion when unit zero <laughs> tries to shoot the 16th angel mm-hmm, mm-hmm. anyway it works about as well which is to say it doesn't do shit yep he shoots the fishing line and the reverberations on the fishing line just go back at him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so he basically just shoots himself. And also, if uh, uh, this line can go through walls and doors, it goes through bullets. Like, it's, yep. it wasn't going to work, but, you know, he had to try. Yeah. So Mista is getting yanked all through the train like a, a, like a river bass uh, uh, jumping through your wake. Uh, so of course he shoots himself in the chest. Yeah, this is this is one of Mises' go-to tactics for all of Part Five <laughs> is shooting himself. I love it. He shoots himself like kind of uh, to the left of his chest, like where the fishing hook is, and that bullet he shot has three of Sex Pistols on it, so that they can go inside his body and try to yank the fishing hook out of him. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not so much a, a, a gunshot wound as it is an injection of helping <laughs> little guys. But they're not strong enough. They can only they can kick bullets around, but they can't pull this super strong fishing hook out of out of him. So he fires sort of blindly a, a couple more times. So now numbers five and and six are are careening through the train car to to scout ahead. By this point, Pesci has realized that oh, I've got. I've got Mista on the line because I felt, you know, a bullet hit my fishing line. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he can tell that he fired off two more shots and he's just like, that's no big fucking deal. You're just shooting blindly. You have no idea where I am. And as he goes to pull on Mista one more time, those two bullets fly through uh, the the door in front of him and smash, partially smash the glass that he's got on the table that's full of ice cubes. Pesci's like, oh, shit. Oh, shit, he might have a plan here. And that is when more bullets come in with all six of Sex Pistols just, like, ricocheting uh, uh, these bullets between them to just destroy as much ice as possible (laughs) and and get rid of Pesci's little safe zone. 
uh, and this makes Pesci freak out, and he just drops his stand, and and it disappears. Yeah, yeah. As he's lunging for some of the shattered ice uh, uh, to to try to save it, he he loses his grip, loses his focus, and so he loses Mista. I yeah. never noticed that number seven is Yosemite Sam. <laughs> yeah, I was just looking at number seven myself, and uh, yeah, that voice though, the voice too. God, yeah, he does sound like Yosemite Sam a little. <laughs> but I just love that Sex Pistols just kind of hover in front of Pesci's face and just fuck with them a bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're having a great time there. So Pesci is su- is terrified, and he's just going to run away now. When he gets grabbed by one of these petrified mummy people, who he does not recognize, is his big bro prosciutto. Yeah. It's, I do. It's... No one else would have hair like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but as this old man, who is clearly, yeah, prosciutto, like falls off the table and grabs him, Pesci gets two of his fingers just shot off. Yeah, yeah, right in his casting hand, thanks to Sex Pistols. Yeah, or rather, it's, one goes to the palm and one just shoots its pinky off, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is, is enough of, like, a, a an advantage, a disability in his stand use for Mista to feel comfortable just, like, walking in the door. Mm-hmm. As he he tips his hat and six bullets fall out into the revolver chambers perfectly. The, yeah, this is this is just a thing Misa does. He stores tons of shit in his hat, including <laughs> bullets. I love whenever he reloads his gun by just dipping his head down and bullets just fall out of his hat perfectly into the chambers. It's so cool. It, it takes a lot of practice. Yep. There's a lot of bullets that have, like, fallen off the table and rolled into cracks and things in that restaurant where they hang out. Yeah. Actually, when he, the first time we saw him do the hat reload trick uh, was when he was fighting um, arts and crafts yeah, on yeah. the ha- truck. Yeah, hanging on the side of the truck, yeah. And when he does that, some of the bullets actually do miss their mark a bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so he's not, he's not perfect, but... Well, that, that was adverse it's, conditions. Here yeah. with no wind resistance, A plus, perfect. And so he's walking straight up to Pesci, who is just begging on the floor. He doesn't want to die. And Misa is trying to get info from him on where the other stand user is. Mm-hmm. And as he, he's interrogating Pesci, that is when this old man walks over to Misa, grabs him by the hand, like, oh, please help me. And then, of course, it's actually Prosciutto, who has aged himself. And uh, now that he's got direct contact with Mista, he can age him like a hundred years, like in a second. Yes, yes. And this makes Mista say, "Quote: My bullets are dying." <laughs> yeah, yeah. You see, sex. All the individual sex pistols just start falling down to the ground, and they just look like rotten bananas. <laughs> uh, and yeah, Mista just falls to the ground, a mummy with, with no strength to do anything. So Prosciutto then restores himself, which is an ability he has. He, he was just, like, mm-hmm. letting himself, like, fall victim to his own friendly fire for, like, I don't know, camouflage reasons. Mm-hmm. And now he just kicks Pesci's ass for recalling his stand, for showing that, that moment of weakness. Yeah, he stomps on his face a bunch. Making very squeaky noises. <laughs> yeah, he calls him a mama's boy. We get a lot more uh, rubbing of Pesci's head here. Every time he starts to scold Pesci, he ends the scolding with some positive reinforcement (laughs) saying like, hey, dude, you got a really good stand. You 
you're good. You just got to have confidence, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he always gives him a pep talk after scolding him while always having his, like, basically touching forehead to forehead and rubbing his head. Yeah, yeah. After all of that, he picks up Misa's gun and says, like, hey, this is, you know, this is what you got to be like. You got to be a stone cold motherfucker. And then he blasts Mista point blank in the head three Th- times. Three times. Big, big pool of blood. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that's sort of our mid-episode cliffhanger. Grateful Dead title card. Very cool stand. Mm-hmm. I, I love the cables coming out of the tummy. It's it's, it's like really cool. It's like something from Terminator. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, so so now inside my favorite turtle in the world, uh, <laughs> Trish is cooling down Narancia with the last of the turtle ice. Mm-hmm. But Bruno is like, no, you got to keep that for yourself. Mm-hmm. Our job is to keep you alive. You know, Narancia knew what he was doing. Blah blah blah. There there is a big parallel between uh, uh, Bucciarati and Prosciutto in this episode. They, they both have yep. a lot of commitment to their interpretation of like what it is to be uh, uh, in the mafia, to be in Passione. Yeah. But now I'm thinking as, as like the flowers in this room die and the bananas turn to banana jerky, <laughs> they don't have body heat. Yeah. What? Wait a minute. <laughs> hmm. Jarno should have noticed that and it would have really thrown him <laughs> off and his whole like theory would have been thrown to shit. I don't know I don't know why bananas count as having <laughs> warmer body heat than a person. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, as all those things are withering and dying away inside the turtle, we get another shot of Mista who uh is seemingly dead he's got the you can see his spirit leaving his body as jojo mm-hmm, characters mm-hmm. tend to do when they die uh and now prosciutto is searching the train more looking searching for the rest of the people he he's gone back to the co- uh conductor's booth because he's sure that there is something weird going on in this room and pesci remembers he was about to check under that seat but he got interrupted so they look under the seat and now the turtle has moved but Prosciutto, Prosciutto is not dissuaded. Prosciutto thinks this is a great victory because the turtle left behind turtle poop. <laughs> yeah. The jig is up. It's up. And also we can see like during this whole scene that Pesci has his pinky back. Uh, it's just wrapped up in bandages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like this whole time P- Pesci was doubting himself like, oh, I thought there was something on the chair, but there wasn't. I'm so stupid. I'm so dumb. And you know, he gets another little ped talk and a nice little head rub. Prosciutto's compliments sound way more sinister than the straight up abuse. <laughs> I forget what his compliments sound like. It's just very manipulative to me. I don't like yeah, it. I don't like yeah, it. Yeah. But yeah, Prosciutto determines like, okay, things other than humans can have stands. So we clearly got some type of animal here. And mm-hmm. also, like, this animal isn't dead yet. So it's got to be something that lives a long time like a turtle and so he starts punching at like random metal panels in this booth and somehow this turtle got inside like behind this metal panel and closed the door behind him essentially i don't know how this turtle got here i'm assuming mista did that in an unseen moment i don't know sure (laughs) sure yeah and doesn't he also have a line like oh wow this turtle's gonna get old but that's okay turtles live to be like 300 it's gonna be fine yeah yeah Prosciutto uses his stand to bust open this metal panel where the turtle is hiding. 
And then they spot, hey, there's a key in there. Hey, there's a gem in that key. Hey, I can see tiny little people in there. Uh, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. It's, and it's then just as Prisciuto's about to just destroy the turtle, Pesci stops him and goes like, hey, there's one person missing in there. What the mm-hmm, fuck's going mm-hmm. on? While Prosciutto is like really like living in the victory, uh, uh, celebrating maybe a little prematurely, quote, the boys are passing on to the big nursing home in the sky. <laughs> yeah. And with that revelation that hey there's one other person that should be in this turtle that's not we cut back to mista and who is starting to mist uh yep ah. uh, uh, no that's nothing that's that's uh, terrible uh. but anyway uh sex pistols number five is pushing the bullets out of his brain yeah mista is not dead yet uh he is barely hanging on he didn't get aged all the way to death because he had stored some ice under his hat Storing ice in my hat was the best decision I ever made, he says. <laughs> and yes, while the bullets did, like, injure him, they didn't really, they they stopped short because Sex Pistols number five was in his hat and was able to react quick enough to stop the momentum of all three bullets before they hit, they penetrated his brain. And number six was sent along as a messenger to Bruno so that the people in in the turtle know everything that he learned outside the turtle. Yep. And and with that, there, there's a little bit of wind coming from uh, uh, coming into here, and the sound of a zipper. And prosciutto is fucked. He doesn't know it yet, but he's dead. He's a dead man. Because <laughs> the uh, the ceiling above them, that's where Bruno is hiding. Yeah, we see the zipper open up, and there's Sex Pistols number six hanging out on just kind of grabbing onto the side of Bruno's face, and he's got a little ice cube with him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, Prosciutto is is shocked after he just barely dodges a punch from Zipperman. Like, one, what the fuck, there's a guy in the ceiling. And two, Misa isn't dead. I shot him three times in the brain. <laughs> <laughs> so so Sticky Fingers is coming out and he's he can't quite land a clean hit on Grateful Dead. There's a, a you know, a, a mutual punch rush. You know how it goes. Uh, uh, but he does manage to unzip Prosciutto's chin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little spurt of blood shoots out of his unzipped chin. Which is when Bruno flips out of the zipper zone like fucking Spider-Man. <laughs> yes! <laughs> and does a high kick to Pesci's chin, breaking his face on the, the like glass of the window. It's just, so good! It's really cool, and that knocks Pesci out. Like, his eyes just roll up in, into the back of his head and he's out Th- this whole fight uh, uh really cemented why uh, uh bruno bucciarati is absolutely my favorite <laughs> yep he does some <laughs> cool ass shit in this fight oh you mean when he unzips his own head to dodge a punch yes yeah because after <laughs> after he does that high kick to to pesci he falls down to the floor and he can't get up in time to dodge this punch and so Prosciutto is just going in for the killing blow, and God, like, there's this cool-ass camera zoom as this punch is coming to to just crush Bruno's face in, and, like, an actual orchestra-performed version of the Part 5 JoJo theme kicks in as he just zips his head in two right Mm -hmm. down the middle, and the punch just sails clean through. Which surprises Prosciutto, and so in that moment of reaction, it gives Bruno time to just, like, slam him across the room. (laughs) Yeah, this whole bit just looks so good. It's so cool. 
so so yeah if it's clear that if they just straight up punch it out from here bruno will win in the long run like yeah. uh, uh it, it won't be easy but he is uh, uh overcoming but like prosciutto's like ah 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 that ain't the kind of fight this is you fucked up you <laughs> fucked up real bad because you're going so hard you're fighting so fast you you must be really warming up huh Especially mm-hmm. standing above this engine. Oh, it's Tosi in here, big boy. <laughs> and Bruno begins to age uh, again. Even even with the ice cube from Sex Pistols number six, he is just too warm. He, he's getting weaker, which is causing the, the unzipped parts of Prosciutto's body to zip, zip back up. And so, so Prosciutto now having uh, uh, the upper hand when you consider, you know, active stand abilities in the mm-hmm. equation goes in to, to press the attack from his side uh, and he gets his arm grabbed and Bruno's like, hey, asshole, I know it's hot in here. I did the JoJo <laughs> move. <laughs> JoJo's trick. <laughs> it's JoJo's trick. Actually, you're owned, not me. <laughs> It's so good. It's so good. So his plan, his plan all along was to to show a moment of vulnerability, to go to this attack, to grab him so he could throw both of them bodily out of this train moving at 150 kilometers an hour. <laughs> yeah. So Zipperman just unzips the whole side of the train because it, the, the wall and the floor of this conductor's booth are unzip they have the consistency of like cloth now and because the train's yeah, going yeah. so fast they're just flapping in the wind it's it's flapping like a unzipped windbreaker basically mm-hmm. so so yeah the plan is to just get him out of the train kill him on the rocks and yep. uh, uh which will restore everybody and so then pesci's gonna be super outnumbered once all of the the sleepy elderly boys are are, are back in action yep prosciutto's just like oh shit uh-oh <laughs> And the episode ends in a cliffhanger of them just both falling out of the train. And Bruno's just got like this stone cold killer look on his face. Like he don't give a fuck that he's going to die too. He just wants to drag this dude to his death. <laughs> it's dope. Bruno Bucciarati will drag you to hell because he knows the way. <laughs> <laughs> Episodio Sedici, The Grateful Dead, part two. Kicks off with the OP immediately. No recap, no cold open. Fuck you. So, Prosciutto is clinging to the zipper flap as the conductor turns to jelly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the zipper is slowly zipping up to the point where it's like, Prosciutto's not going to have anything to grab onto. Yeah, his yeah fingers it's, it's going to pinch his fingers off, yeah. Yeah. This whole time, Bruno's just talking about having the resolve to do the shit that he does mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And, and staying true to his mission. So the zipper closes up all the way and they just both go flying off the train. This is what I was talking about earlier, where like there's a parallel in dedication being drawn between these two. But what they're dedicated to is the important difference. Like Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Prosciutto is so invested in the theory of being a hitman and like your, your thoughts and your will. But Bruno's about that fucking praxis. He goes out and does the (laughs) damn thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so, yeah, they're both flying off the train. It looks like they're both just going to go splat on the side of the, the road here. But just before they do, Pesci wakes up, you know, shouts like big bro and throws his fishing line out of the train and has his hook pierce Prosciutto's hand so that 
he he gets like yanked up to the side of the train mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and doesn't fall to his death. While Bruno is saving himself by grabbing on Prosciutto's waist. Uh, yeah. Uh, so so Pesci is is holding both of them. Really wishes he was only holding the one. Yep. Uh, which does prompt Prosciutto to like compliment uh, Bruno and, and apologize for calling him an unworthy capo. Like he's really proven himself in this moment. I mean, it's not much of an apology. It comes while kicking him in the mouth over and over again. <laughs> yeah. He's repeatedly kicking Bruno. Bruno goes in for a punch with Zipper Man and he misses. And, and Prosciutto is like, aha, you're still way slower than me now. Don't forget that you're still getting older. And Bruno has done yet another JoJo's trick. JoJo's trick. JoJo's trick. <laughs> he has actually punched the fishing line that is holding Prosciutto up to the train. Yes. So that his... if something happens to the line, it travels down the hook to, mm-hmm. to whatever it's hooked into. And in this case, it transmits a zipper that opens up and releases the hook. And Prosciutto falls away, uh, uh, trailing down again. 150 kilometers an hour very dangerous very deadly yeah and sticky fingers intentionally hooks its own hand which then becomes uh, uh bruno's hand as th- the stand is recalled yeah and as prosciutto falls he the camera's real low to the ground for a shot and you just see him fly towards the camera really fast and you hear a splat mm-hmm. <laughs> like you don't see it you just hear it but man it sounds it's it sounds really brutal. And so, yeah, Pesci is just like, oh, man, I only got one person on the hook now. My my bro must have kicked Bruno off. Wait a minute. This feels like a left <laughs> hand. Yeah. I was hooked into a right hand a minute ago. He's yeah. so good at this. He's so sensitive. And so this is really freaking Pesci out. And now that prosciutto is gone the anti-aging effect is starting to wear off and a lot of people on the train are actually still alive Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they're just missing some teeth and some hair fell out of their heads now and so one of the the passengers that's recuperating is slowly getting back up on his feet and telling this guy which this is a little weird but like it doesn't fucking matter at all he's like hey you with the fishing rod that's a stand Maybe this guy's a stand user. Maybe he's a stand user. Who knows? Maybe he doesn't know he's a stand user. Yeah, that's true. That could be. And he's just yelling at Pesci like, go to the fucking train conductor. Make him stop the train. I th- we're all really sick. Quote, why are you crying? Make somebody stop the train. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Pesci is just freaking out crying curled up in a ball on the floor and even this dude goes like wow are you some type of mama's boy fuck it i'll go to the conductor myself and he takes like two steps and then he turns into a mummy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because prosciutto is not dead he is near death in the wheels but he is sending the grateful dead out again mm-hmm. maintaining it and and like telling it to just like really supercharge it one last hurrah for all the marbles prosciutto is just like all tangled up in like the undercarriage of the mm-hmm. train basically he he had one real lucky bounce off the ground i guess and pesci is so moved by this dedication by uh, uh you know embodying the advice he gave like no matter what never ever recall your stand in the middle of a fight <laughs> yeah so yeah he uh he has a transformation he has a personal moment of reflection 
Like mm-hmm. th- there's an expectation that the the put upon one, the, the guy in the evil crew who none of the other evil guys like might be redeemable. Not here, because no. he, he learns a very powerful lesson that maybe murder is really good and fun, and I should do it actively a lot. Yeah, he, he walks over to that guy who just turned into a mummy, but still alive, and he just steps on his neck and snaps it. And he's just like, wow, that was easy and fun. Again, first time he's killed someone. I mean, yep. y- you finally did it as a member of the Hitman team for who knows how many years. <laughs> You think there's somebody in the Passione, like, accountant crew who hasn't done math this year? (laughs) I don't. They would fire him or probably kill him. How did he get into the Hitman squad? There's got to (laughs) be some, like, form of nepotism or his dad, like, got him in. I don't know. They call for Majo's stand useless, but he does successfully kill people. Yeah. (laughs) They they must have just brought him in because, like, wow, this fishing hook thing seems pretty dope if you would actually use it right. (laughs) So, so yes, he, he's made his mind up. He's crossed that, that bloody Rubicon. Uh, quote, from now on, I'll be the pitiless Pesci of death, feared by all. <laughs> Which is how I think of Joe, but never mind. <laughs> and that brings us to a Beach Boy title card. I love yeah. Beach Boy. His title card has like a really psychedelic looking background on it. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, back in the, the episode here. Prosciutto is still just hanging on by a thread. Pesci is uh, getting ready to fuck everyone up real good. And Bruno is on top of the train with a hook in his hand that he doesn't want in there. Now that he's climbed up top, he doesn't need a lifeline. This is bad. We should get rid of it. So he unzips his hand to take the hook out and it boops right back in. Yep. And so he's like unzips the hook again and does some break dancing. Yeah. (laughs) And like slices some of his limbs up into several like zipper slices in order to avoid this hook. But nothing he does works. It just boops right back in. Yeah. It's like, you know how, uh, oh, wow. Why can I not remember the boss's name right now? Uh, The boss in Metal Gear. You're thinking of Monsoon. Yeah, Monsoon. Monsoon in Metal Gear Rising, who just has his body in little floating slices. It's like that, but with zippers. (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. So no matter what he can do, Pesci is just too good with this hook and always keeps finding him again and, and reeling him in. And, and the hook will keep like inching its way toward his heart because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how Pesci is meant to have been killing people the whole time he wasn't killing people. Yep. <laughs> Hooking their heart and yanking it bodily out of their, their chests. Mm-hmm. Bruno gets yanked off the top of the train. He's he's on the side. Hold up, I'm just searching. Bruno gets yanked off. Uh, uh, never mind. <laughs> Found this some. Pop- uh, oh yeah, I bet. I I at, I'm pretty sure Bruno is one of the more popular JoJo's, especially for the horny ones, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the horny the horny folks out there. He's just so dedicated to everything he does. Yeah, and if you put that in a different context, that is powerful stuff (laughs) Uh, yeah i could i could see it so just before he goes flying like smacks into a pole or something he uses zipper man to grab onto a single like bolt yes on the outside of the train that's some precision that's some star platinum shit right there (laughs) and pesci senses that like okay he grabbed onto something well i'm just gonna yank the the fishing the line straight up to make Bruno fly straight up. 
he almost uh, smacks into a uh, uh, train crossing like stoplight thing yeah. or whatever. We, we haven't mentioned, but this is the sort of train that is powered by overhead power cables. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, uh, Pesci is trying to slam him not only into the overhead power cables, but one of the the like scaffolding trusses that maintains that yes. whole system every once in a while. And just before he smacks into the scaffolding there, he grabs onto uh, a zipper pulley that he has made on the top of the train and then just pulls it in a circle so that he could just climb back <laughs> inside the train. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now that he's inside the train, but still with a fishing line stuck in him, he decides, okay, I got to find a way to escape the, the, this line because yeah, it's yeah. about to grab my heart and tear it in, in, into little shreds. Yeah, throwing myself out of a train was a good enough trick for for Mr. Old over here, but I need to be way more dramatic for the vegetable head. Yes. Uh, So he does something pretty crazy here. Yeah. Uh, And so Bruno says, I'm going to show him, you know, like how how determined I am to see my mission through and does a zipper man punch rush on the fishing line so that his entire body explodes into little unzipped chunks. There's at least a dozen bits, maybe 15, 18 parts of Bucciarati uh, just scattered around inside one of these like uh, uh, train berths and also the hallway along the side connecting them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, his plan is to, to play dead, which is pretty easy when by all appearances you are. Yeah. He looks like the the butcher's diagram of a cow. Yeah, but but falling apart, you know. Like if you turn mm-hmm. that into like a wood block puzzle and then dropped it on the floor. <laughs> so as Butrai is just laying in chunks on the floor, uh, you can see one chunk. You can see inside of it and see his heart is in there, mm-hmm. beating away. And Sex Pistols number six just goes, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> I what are lo- you doing? I, I really enjoy the dynamic between Bruno and number six in this. Like, it's a good thing there's six of them, because that yeah. means everybody gets their own little sex pistols. Yeah, yeah. Mista brought a stand with enough to share for his birthday. <laughs> so Pesci, Pesci gets freaked out that suddenly Bruno has seemingly disappeared. And he, he pumps himself back up. He's like, remember what Prosciutto would say? Don't Don't go jumping at shadows. Just, you know. Stay determined. You can find him. He gets advice from the ghost of Prosciutto. Like, he imagines yeah. him standing there telling him this. Yeah. And so now he's using Beach Boy to search every inch of this train cabin and the hallway outside. And it's just, like, looping around itself and making, like, a web, a floating web of fishing line just in the air. Until it detects the faint heartbeat of one of these nearly mummified passengers. Yeah. So that, that passenger just gets impaled through the heart by the fishing hook. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kali Ma, that's all she wrote. He's <laughs> yeah. dead. But Pesci's like, mm, now that wasn't him. That was no. just some tourist. I, st- I still got to find his heart. And then the, the line rests on the chunk with the heart. Mm-hmm. And he's found until... Bruno decides to karate chop his own damn heart in half. <laughs> yeah. It's always a karate chop with these people. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just love that no matter what setting or time period JoJo is set in, there's always at least one person 
whose survival tactic is to karate chop a part of their body off of themselves. <laughs> and this isn't even like a finale or, or like a main villain. Yeah, this because <laughs> this is a combination of karate chopping your own goddamn head off and Jotaro squeezing his heart, giving himself a heart attack. Yes, yeah. It's both of them at once. Yep. Number six starts wondering out loud how long a person can live with their heart no longer beating. And after 129 episodes of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, <laughs> I have to say the answer is unclear. Yep. I don't know either. So Bruno is, you know, just laying there. His, his eyes are starting to go blank. Uh, you can see the, the spirit mist start to lift off of his body. And this is right around the point where Pesci is like, okay, I can't sense a heartbeat anymore. He must have gone somewhere else. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, he recalls Beach Boy. And Bruno is safe to, you know, put himself back together. But the problem is he's dying now. Yes, he, he <laughs> does just, not he... have the strength. He's spent too long without a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> and little number six is trying to shove his, his chunks together. But yep, he's body chunks enough. are way bigger than bullets. Mm -hmm. And so Pesci has gone to the conductor's booth to try to stop the train. And mm -hmm. he doesn't know how to do it, so he's just mm -mm. wildly kicking the controls until it works. He manages to activate the emergency brake. There's there's a hard squeal, and wouldn't you know it, by a, a measure of absurd luck, the, the <laughs> inertia of this stop slides the two halves of Bruno's heart together, like reviving him back to life in order to put you know all of his uh, uh, <laughs> less vital organs also together. Yeah, and so Pesci gets off the train to look for Prosciutto to see if he's still alive, and he is just barely. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And but before he can reach him, Bruno just walks out of the train by you know unzipping a part of the the, the side and just walking out. It's time for a sunset showdown. Yeah, we get like a, a Wild West duel, like a standoff. And Prosciutto's last words are just watching this fight and telling Pesci to make him proud. Mm -hmm. And I'll be watching you in the, in the next life as you see his stand just slowly like dissolve. So, so that's when Bruno just rushes forward directly head on uh, uh, on Pesci, who then casts a dead center cast straight into his heart. We're, we're not messing around. We're not going up through the arm anymore. It's, mm -hmm. it's like for all the marbles, which is part of Bruno's plan, of course. JoJo's trick! <laughs> he hits the JoJo's hat trick because it was all a way to get Sticky Fingers' hand on the line to loop it around Pesci's neck and garrot him with his own <laughs> yeah. stand. He completely twists Pesci's head all the way around, like 360 degrees. You hear the, his whole spine just crunch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, in order to save his life at the last moment, he does dismiss Beach Boy th for the third and final time, mm -hmm. but he's still got an ace up his sleeve. That ace is Coco Jumbo. <laughs> he's got yep. a turtle up there. He's got a turtle hostage. <laughs> like, Trish gets out of the turtle, and she's safe, but Pesci says, like, hey, in these moments before I die, I'm going to leave you in despair. I'm going to smash this turtle on a rock. <laughs> I'm going to smash this turtle on a rock really good, and everyone's going to die. That's in the turtle. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And so, I mean, in sort of a mirror to uh, uh, Prosciutto apologizing to Bruno for, for saying he was an unfit capo, uh, uh, not worthy of the job of protecting Trish, Bruno's like, hey, I thought you were a pretty good assassin, but you're nothing but a sleaze bag. so fuck you. Yeah, and as Pesci falls to his death while getting ready, like, simultaneously, like, pile-driving this turtle on a rock that's near him... Bruno does the cool ass zipper rocket punch. He does the rocket punch to to like gripple zip combo into a yes. punch rush. Yeah, I forgot that he like unzips his his rocket arm in a way that like grapples. God, it's so cool. It's so good. I love Bruno Bucciarati. Mhm. He does a big JoJo style punch rush to uh, basically unzip Pesci into a million little bloody chunks that just fall into a pond. <laughs> and while, you know, we've had Ora Oras or Giorno's Muda Mudas, Bruno's is ay 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 ay. It works. It works. It does. H- have we mentioned that Trish is, was out of the turtle? Yeah. Okay. All right. So so Trish just watched this and and now everyone else, all the boys are waking up from their stupor and decide that trains are not safe anymore. Mm-hmm. We, we cannot do trains. <laughs> the train is burned, guys. We got we got to uh, move on some other way. Yep. But Trish is demanding answers and Bruno's like you, you, uh, we're not here to give you answers. We're here to get you to Venice on foot, I guess. Uh I just like, "No, you shut the fuck up." Every time I get angry, there's a flaming dinosaur footprint next to me, and I want to know what the fuck is up with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, she she's starting to manifest a stand. She's scared. She's confused. And because she's Trish, she is expressing that in, like, defiant assertion of her right to be talked to. Yeah, yeah. And the final scene of this episode. After uh, a Sticky Fingers title card. Yep. The, the gang is gone. They, they're already on their way. And another member of the assassin team. Who we're running out of. There's three left of these guys. And this is yep. one of them on the phone to a second. Mm-hmm. This dude, is, yeah, he's on the phone. And he's like, well, those guys who sucked uh, died. Whatever. But they did get me one useful thing. And he pulls out a little vial and a, a, a little, like, stirring stick to get a sample of Bruno's blood that was left on the ground, and he's hyped. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is Melone of the Assassin Squad. Yeah. He's wearing a weird purple visor over his eyes, but one of them has a hole cut out in front of his left eye. It's it's like an inverse power reader or something. Yeah, we end on, a, on the cliffhanger of Melone having a sample of Bruno's blood. Uh, so yeah, that that is the end. Uh, again, I really enjoyed this fight. Uh, yeah, uh, it's it's a long one, but it pays off. It is the crew working as a group, cooperating, sharing mm-hmm. uh, uh, like information. It, it's good. It's it's what I want is teamwork, and and yeah. boy, I got it from from yeah. hero and villain alike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I feel like the the Prosciutto and Pesci pair, like compared to the other enemies that have been fought so far these are like the big standout one because they have actual character to them Mm -hmm, they have mm -hmm. their own little story between the two of them and all that that has a beginning middle and end i suppose yeah they're just a fun duo their powers are really cool i love beach boy i i love the goofy fishing rod stand being uh really threatening (laughs) when, when used the correct way 
and there's just so much cool ass Zipperman shit in this. There's so much. He's there's so much. Yeah, and like the bits uh, uh, of him getting whipped around the outside of the train have just exhilarating animation quality. Just yeah, incredible. The, yeah, there's some really good standout bits of direction and animation here, especially with the Bruno parts. Man, that bit when he unzips his head to dodge a punch mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then immediately punches prosciutto with, with zipper man all of that looks so good it's a really quick like two and a half seconds but it's the be- it's the best two and a half seconds yeah like th- the way characters move in part five mm-hmm. i'm still very enamored with it is it is my favorite looking of the parts especially in that in that aspect part five certainly has just like more actual like physical action of, of dodging and throwing blows but it's just enough to punctuate the like puzzle parts of the stand fights that we're all used to now. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And they're just, they always have a really good flair to them. Like a couple episodes ago when uh, uh, Fugo's stand, you know, finishes Iluzo off at the end, that part yeah. is so good looking. Yes. I'm, I'm still just thinking about uh, uh, Bruno nearly getting whipped up into the, the power cables and like making that manhole cover in the roof and pulling <laughs> yeah. through. It's so good. Yeah. Again, sometimes it really feels like Bruno is the protagonist because he's just so cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> another, another thought I had, like, okay, we, we've compared this to uh, uh, part three a number of times because mm-hmm. there's a lot of similarities. But I was, I had part one in mind for a while. Because what if, what if the dub kept the same sort of, like, philosophy that the part one dub uh, uh, had, which Mm. is to say a full cast of American actors speaking in Italian accents? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, imagine. I would want it to be a split between, like, what native Italian speakers sound like speaking English. Also, Mm -hmm. Wahoo, it's a me, Mario. (laughs) Also, uh, uh, Staten Island, even thirds. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. And no real thought put into who is what. Just throw darts at the board. Oh, no, God, no. Yeah. What if Bruno Bucciarati sounded like Tony Soprano? Yeah. It would suck, but I'd like it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, th- this th- stretch of three episodes is one of the big highlights of part five for me. There's all th- there are still later fights that are of a similar quality, but this was the first one I remember seeing of part five when I watched it the first time. I was like, holy shit, this rules. The the, the bits where part five really goes for it are like some of the best JoJo around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we're, we're finally getting just a little bit of Trish as a character. Yes, t- tantalizing bits. I, I like Trish and I always want to see more of her. We just need a, a two to three episode long fight uh, where yep. we see Trisha's stand. <laughs> yep. <laughs> With several flashbacks to various points in both her and her opponent's lives. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> yeah, no flashbacks. This is the first time we've had a no yeah. flashback week for us. Mm hmm. We're finally caught up to the present. We're, we're all caught up. <laughs> Uh, next week, we're going to be back with the next three episodes. Uh, mm-hmm. Those titles are Babyface, Head <laughs> to Venice, and White Album. Yep. <laughs> you got to change White Album. Those people will sue anybody for anything. White Album is a good one. I'm excited for White Album. <laughs> I've been watching through The Muppet Show again slowly because I love The Muppet Show and I want to savor it. Uh-huh. It's surprising how much Beatles music they have. Mm-hmm. And especially, like, 
relitigating the licensing, like it's one thing to put something on TV in the early 80s. It's another thing to put it on like a DVD release or or uh, uh, on a streaming platform and to have mm-hmm. to go through that process again, which is why in those releases, there are always some things that are missing, like individual segments or whole episodes. But no, all the Beatles stuff is left alone. And I'm surprised huh. by that. Wow. So you get to see Fozzie dressed as a farmer and everyone else as various flowers sing Good Day Sunshine. Oh, geez. Until the lights go out and they have to change songs because it wouldn't make sense anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I have never seen that much of The Muppet Show. Now that is actually a a very bizarre show. My my th- my idea is that if if the Muppets like never did anything but the Muppet Show, mm-hmm. it would be remembered as this incredibly bizarre, like just weird experimental hippie shit that like every few <laughs> years a new subgeneration would like rediscover and be like, what this was on television? What was wrong yeah. with you people back then? <laughs> But the fact that it has continued on, you know, movies and TV specials and other shows just being a pop culture brand insinuates it from from that idea. Mm, yeah. What is this thing and why does he want to fuck a chicken so bad? <laughs> That's like the only thing I knew about The Muppet Show is like the running joke of, of the, the Gonzo being into chickens. <laughs> it starts with cows, actually. Oh, it starts with cows. Okay. Yeah. So, but like, I know the chicken joke mainly from Jess informing me about the chicken joke after Gonzo like sees a chicken and uh, Christmas Carol goes like, hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> He's got a type. Yeah, 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 yeah. And sometimes he cheats on his girlfriend with other chickens. Oh, my God. <laughs> chicken fucker. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> we're just talking about Muppets now, so... Uh, so, uh, thank you all for joining us. Uh, uh, I would really appreciate it if y'all did a couple things. Uh, why not tell somebody about this show? Uh, if you're yeah. here, hopefully you're having fun. Why not say why? Just talking about the show publicly to people uh, uh, or just in general is way people find out about us. And, and let me give you a little hint. I've never paid a single dime for any advertising for this show, and I'm pretty sure you haven't either. Mm-hmm. So that's really the only way people find us uh, uh, is is organically and genuinely with like just just talk to people, just talk to yeah. people. That's all I want. Do you, Do you know some people that are agonizingly waiting for the next chunk of Part Six to be animated, which somehow <laughs> isn't coming out until the fall this year? Maybe they like to hear someone else's viewpoint, JoJo. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a fun way to revisit JoJo, even if you've seen it before. Or even if you haven't. I know uh, since we started this show, uh, people have been following along and just gotten into it after bouncing off of it or or Mm -hmm. not being particularly interested uh, previously. Let let, let us hold your hand. If there's somebody (laughs) out there who you want to get into JoJo, let let us hold their hand. Let let us be their listening buddy. It is an interesting thing how podcasts aren't really a conversation, but they can act like one, right? Yeah. So so you've probably listened to a show where you've had a thought that you never shared that is shared by the, some person or they speak to a point that that uh, uh, is like tangent or, or intersecting with a thought you've had that, that lets you work it out more, even if, again, you've never spoken to this uh, uh, person you're listening to in your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think we've got a real like capability for to, to being that for people. That is just one of the interesting things I find about this medium in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. 
But yeah, until then, see you next week. To be continued. <laughs>